Over the past seven weeks, we've been learning what it means to live in God's kingdom. And here's the thing about the kingdom of God. It is counterintuitive. It is countercultural. And the Beatitudes that you see all listed behind me, the Beatitudes represent the values of God perhaps more than anything else that we find in the Bible. And so this seems like the fitting exclamation point to put at the end of this series as we've been talking about God's kingdom. Well, with that, let me welcome everybody here, both those in the room and those outside of the room. Can we give everybody a hand who's joining us? So excited about our crossing Midtown, getting their building this week. We start construction. And our crossing Inspirata, our southeast campus that will be moving over there by the M Casino right around the corner from the Raiders practice facility. Going to be just a great, great place for us as we plant in that neighborhood. Well, next week we start our most popular series of the year, which is at the movies. That when Jesus was, was teaching, Jesus would use these modern day stories to convey the truth of God. And that's what we do in this series. That we take movies, the best storytelling of our day, to convey God's word and God's truth um, here in this series. And there's two things that you need to know. Number one, I'm not telling you what the movies are ahead of time, so don't ask me. You're going to have to be here. And number two... The only way for you to see these messages are to be here or at one of our campuses or microsites that we won't be streaming these services online because of copyright issues. They will never be online anywhere, so you have to be here for that. And next week is Father's Day, and we have a great guys movie, and so we're going to have popcorn at all of our services next week. And so bring your dad, bring a friend with you. We have these invite cards for you to invite somebody to come with you to our At The Movie series. Those are all in the lobby and the exits as you leave here today. Well, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, we are concluding this Majnik series with the K in Majnik, which is to know God's heart. And Majnik is simply the word kingdom spelled backwards. And today, we're looking at Jesus' most famous sermon, and we know it as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, Jesus, he repeated this content more than once. But in Matthew chapter 5, he starts off with what is referred to as the Beatitudes or the B-attitudes. And there's eight Beatitudes, and they all have one common denominator, which I'm going to tell you at the end of the message, one thing that brings them all together. But they all begin with this word right here, blessed or blessed. Blessed or blessed. Now, these, these words right here, that this word right here actually means fortunate or happy. Now, this is going to sound backwards because Jesus is going to say, blessed or happy are you when you're poor in spirit, or happy are you when you mourn. And this can only be true in the kingdom of God. But I want to give you a different perspective with these blessings that Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, 
says that in the ancient world, there are two kinds of blessing. The first kind of blessing is this blessing of instruction. Blessing of instruction. This is like, you know, blessed are the wise or blessed are the obedient. In other words, if you do these things, then you will have a good life. Now, the Proverbs are all written like this. They are all in this form. And these are designed to teach or instruct. Now, there is a second kind of blessing statement that is more rare. And this statement right here is a surprise statement. That these would be statements about who was blessed, and they would come as a surprise to all of their hearers. It would just seem odd. And these blessings, these blessings of surprise, they were for people who were were oppressed or hopeless. And the idea was that you hold on. Don't give up. Don't quit that there is hope for you. So there are these two kinds of blessings, these statements of instruction and these statements of surprise. So I'm going to give you a couple examples, and I'm going to let you guess to see if you can know which these are. Um, Here's this first one. Early to bed, early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. So which is this, instruction or surprise? You're afraid to say, aren't you? Like, I don't want to get it wrong. Now, this is instruction. So the saying here is if you go to bed early and you get up early, then it's going to make you healthier and wealthier and wiser. So that's the idea here. So this is a blessing of instruction. Now, here's the second one. A penny saved is a penny earned. Now, when you see this, you're like, okay, they're both worthless. Okay, so it's just a penny. It's both worthless. But is this, is this instruction or surprise? It's instruction. It's instruction. Now, in the Beatitudes, that is not what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not giving advice in the Beatitudes. He's saying that happiness in God's kingdom is upside down from everything that you have always thought. And so here is how this Sermon on the Mount starts in Matthew chapter 5. It begins like this. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now, there was always three groups of people that that were around Jesus. Now, the first group was the 12 disciples or the 12 apostles. We know these guys. They were always with Jesus. Then there were these other followers of Jesus, that these other followers of Jesus, that, that they, were, they believed in Jesus, that they were around Jesus, and they just followed him wherever he went. And then there's this third group. It is called the crowds. Now, this would be hundreds of people, sometimes thousands of people. And they would come to Jesus to be healed. They would come to Jesus to be fed. They would come to Jesus to hear him teach. And we have all three of these groups in the crowd, but I want you to hear who is in this crowd. We find this just in the chapter before this, just three verses before this. This is what it says about this crowd. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain. The demon possessed. Those having seizures. And the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, which just means the ten cities, 
Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across from the Jordan followed him. This is that crowd who has come to hear Jesus give this sermon on the mount. Now, this crowd is not the religious elite. These are not the successful people with the prosperous lives. This is not the sermon at the Ritz-Carlton. This is not the sermon at the Bellagio. This sermon was given to the poor, to the brokenhearted, to the suffering, to the rejects, to the outsiders. And Jesus begins like this. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, when you think of poor, what's another word that you think of? Maybe you think of broke or bankrupt. What Jesus is saying is for those who feel spiritually bankrupt, the kingdom has come for you. Several years ago, Gallup did a poll on the Sermon on the Mount, and they asked several questions about this. And one of the questions they ask is, who taught the Sermon on the Mount? Now, the majority of the people did not know who taught it. Do you want to know what the number one guess was? It was Billy Graham. That was the number one guess who taught this sermon that Jesus taught right here. Now, I'm not making this up. Uh, There was a bunch of them. One in four, 24% of them also said that the reason it was called Sermon on the Mount is because it was delivered on horseback. You know, apparently Billy Graham gave a lot of sermons on horseback. I, I don't know. Now, these are people who do not know the Bible, that no one is asking them to teach Sunday school. They are spiritual zeros. They are not going to win Bible Jeopardy. But what Jesus is saying, this is who the kingdom of God is for. The kingdom is available to you. That you don't have to be religious or perfect. You don't have to have your life all together. Not anymore. Blessed are those who have nothing to offer to God. The kingdom is yours. It has come for you. Jesus goes on. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are mourned. Jesus is saying, happy are those who are sad. We're like, what? That doesn't even make sense to us. Because most of us want to avoid grief. Most of us want to avoid mourning at all cost. You go to a funeral and you want to get in, you want to be seen, and you want to get out, and you want to get back to your life. See, we don't even, we don't even want to think about death. We just want to move on from that and get on to our life. But if you scratch below the surface of the, the happiest people you know, If you look at the people who are full of joy, they're not people who have perfect lives. They're people who have these incredible challenges that they've faced tragedies in their life and they've come out on the other side. You can't go around grief. You can only go through it. And if you try to avoid it, if you try to deny it, then you will never find true comfort and true peace. Jesus says, when you walk through grief, you will find comfort. The kingdom is yours. It has come for you. Jesus goes on and says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. See, our response to this word right here, this word meek, it is almost always negative. Because no one has on their list, you know what? 
My goal in life is to be more meek. You know, no dad sits down with his daughter and says, I want you to find a man who is meek. He's like, no, I want you to find some guy who has a job. That's who I want you to find. Because we think of meek as weak. We think of meekness as weakness. But here's what this word actually means. Meek means strength under control. Strength under control. One of the pictures that I always think of when I think of this idea right here is the former linebacker for the Chicago Bears, Mike Singletary. He was one of the most feared guys on the football field. But when he was off the football field, he would volunteer. He volunteers at his church in the nursery holding babies. That's the idea of this word. Meekness is when you turn the other cheek. Meekness is when you control your anger with your spouse. Meekness is when you have the chance to get even with your coworker and you choose not to. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The kingdom is yours. It's come for you. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. In other words, blessed or happy are you when you are committed to doing the right thing. That's what righteousness means. It is just having this right life, this right living. And this word filled, this literally means to be fulfilled or satisfied. Another way of saying it is this right here. Happy are those with no guilt, no regret, and a clear conscience. Happy are you. When you have no regret, no guilt, and your conscience is clear. Happy are those who do the right thing even when it costs them. Happy are those who recognize that sin separates and sin substitutes and sin breaks down the relationship with other people and ultimately it erodes your relationship with God. Isn't it true that your greatest regrets are not the times that you chose to do the right thing? It's when you did the wrong thing, when you decided to go your own way. And you think about hunger and thirst. These are the strongest urges of a human. And when you have this kind of drive in following God's way, the result is you will be fulfilled. You will be satisfied. The kingdom is yours. It has come for you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. What is mercy? When we think about what mercy is, he's saying that happy are the people who are relationally generous. Happy are the people who give when the other person doesn't even deserve it. Happy are those who aren't seeking revenge, who forgive, who don't hold grudges, who put away bitterness. Because you know this, you have never met a happy, bitter person. You have never met a happy person who holds a grudge. You have never met a happy person who is trying to get even against somebody else in their life. That this idea of mercy is when you begin to meet somebody who you have met are people 
who have been mistreated, people who have gone through extraordinary circumstances, and somehow they are able to offer mercy. Have you ever been on the receiving end of mercy? Where you did something and you were waiting to be yelled at, or you were waiting to be fired, or you were waiting to be grounded or disshunned? We all have. I have. That I have done something where I was waiting to be paid back and I received mercy instead. And when that happens in your life, you are willing to give mercy, to be merciful to people because of the mercy that you've been shown. See, the kingdom is yours. It has come for you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus has invited us to purity in a culture that doesn't even use that word unless they're talking about water. This idea of purity. A couple weeks ago, Don and Bridget Brewster were with us. They are the founders of Agape International Missions, our partner in Cambodia. They are on the front lines of combating child sex slavery. And I had the opportunity to have dinner with them the weekend that they were with us. And what Don told me is, as we're just eating dinner together, he said, this is not just a Cambodian problem. This is an American problem. He says, you want to know what drives this and drives so much other of this stuff? It is pornography. It, it, is, it is pornography that is around us. And this idea of moral purity is not popular. In fact, Christians have been saying for years that porn is harmful. And they've been ridiculed, and they've been accused of being narrow-minded. Now research is coming out by people who aren't even Christians. And here's what they're finding. That when you start looking at those images, something actually begins to change chemically in a man's mind. That something chemically changes in a woman's mind. That that erotic imagery is essentially a drug. And do you want to know what that drug does? It deadens your desire for a real person. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The clarity that you're looking for in your spiritual life, it's found in purity. It's the decision to purify your mind. It's the decision for you to renew your mind. See, I, if I could summarize, it's this right here, is that moral purity leads to spiritual clarity. That if you want spiritual clarity in your life, it starts with moral purity. And for some of you, this is a real decision. I'm just going to push on you here for a minute because for some of you, this is a decision to purify your mind. And it will take time. But one day, one day, the day will come when your mind doesn't go to those images or those thoughts anymore. And if this is you, I want to invite you to celebrate recovery here at the crossing. Celebrate recovery meets every Monday night at 6:30. Because this is an area that brings shame. This is an area that nobody talks about, especially the church. But let me tell you for you, happiness contentment happens through purity. That if you feel like there is this 
barrier between you and God, maybe it's this issue. That moral purity leads to spiritual, to, to spirit, moral purity leads to spiritual clarity. The kingdom is yours. It has come for you. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, aren't there certain people in your life that it's like they are always looking for a fight? I mean, they're just always looking for a conflict. You'll go up to them and say, well, how was your day today? Well, none of your business. It's like they are always looking to start some conflict with you. Notice Jesus doesn't say here, you know, blessed are the peacekeepers. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, blessed are the peace lovers. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those people, happy are those people who make peace. I had a meeting a couple weeks ago that I knew was going to be difficult. There was someone who was angry and upset. And so as I was going into that meeting and in that meeting, I just began to pray the words that come out of the book of James in the Bible. Be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. I had to just keep saying this to myself. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because for most of us, we are quick to speak and we are quick to become angry. And the way that we begin to make peace, that we be peacemakers, is to be quick to listen. That I'm going to listen to what you have to say. That I'm going to be slow to speak. That I'm going to stop before I say something I'm going to regret or say something that I wish I hadn't. I'm going to be slow to become angry. The humility is the soil for peacemaking. And again, let me just challenge some of you. Some of you need to change the tone of the conversation in your house. And when you do that, reconciliation starts to happen. Reconciliation leads to happiness. Reconciliation leads to blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers. The kingdom is yours. It has come for you. And then here's this last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you probably have a story You probably have a story of of someone at work or at school or in your family that has mistreated you or mocked you for being a Christian. You may have a story in your life where because of the convictions that you have, people just made fun of you and said, that's just so stupid. I can't believe you, you hang on to that. I can't believe you believe that. And you have to make a decision. Are you going to do what's right? Are you going to do what's right? Jesus goes on to say, he says, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you. They persecute you. They falsely say all kinds of evil against you, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Because of your relationship with Jesus, he says, rejoice and be glad. For the kingdom is yours. It has come for you. 
Now, do you want to know what the common denominator of all of those are? You want to know what the takeaway is? It's this right here. It's that happiness is an outcome. See, this is what brings all of the Beatitudes together for us, is that happiness is an outcome. Being blessed is an outcome in your life. It is a result of living a different kind of life. That if you want to be blessed in your life, it is a result of living God's kingdom values. That you sow and reap your way to happiness. Just like you have sown and reaped your way to unhappiness. But you get to decide. You get to decide. True happiness is a result of living God's values. It's what this series has been all about. Here behind me, you see all of these pictures that have been painted. Every one of those pictures are pictures of actual people from our global mission trips. These are actual people in the partners that we work with around the world. People who don't have much in this world. People who have found hardships. People whose lives have been difficult. But they would tell you that they are blessed. They're blessed. And maybe you hear the Beatitudes and you feel like they're just not for you. Maybe you hear them and, and you, just, you just think of these blessings and you're like, I, I don't feel like this applies to me. And maybe you need to hear these blessings in a different way. So let me just give them to you like this. Blessed are the agnostics, the doubters, and those who have nothing to offer. Blessed are you when you feel spiritually empty, for the kingdom has come for you. Blessed are those whom no one notices. The kid who sits alone at the lunch table. The teenager trying to hide the cuts on their arms. Blessed are the sexually addicted and the sexually frustrated. Blessed are you because you're not alone. Blessed are those who have loved enough to know what loss feels like. Blessed are the parents who have failed and the children who've run away. Blessed are those who can't fall apart because they have to keep it together for everyone else. Blessed are those who still aren't over it yet. Blessed are you when you mourn and grieve because your Father in heaven promises that he will comfort you. Blessed are the bridge builders and those who respond to hurtful words with kindness. Blessed are those who don't see color or age or right or left. They just see people who matter to God. Blessed are you when you choose to show mercy because Jesus has shown so much mercy to you. Blessed are you who have felt like because of your bad health, your bad family, your bad circumstances, your bad looks, or your bad choices that you've missed your chance. And Jesus says, your best days are yet to come. And blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for God because there is nothing more satisfying and fulfilling 
than to be fully surrendered to Jesus. Happiness is an outcome. Happiness is a result of living God's kingdom values in your life. And Jesus has invited you to a different kind of life. Jesus is inviting you to follow him into a different kind of life and a different kind of future. And here's the way that I want to conclude this series is I want to conclude it by giving some of you an opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. And here's what I know. If, if this is you, you have a story. You have a story of why you've never given your life to Jesus. You have a story about somebody who did something to you. You have a story about some Christian who said something to you. Maybe why God didn't change some circumstances in your life. I'm just here to tell you when you surrender your life to Jesus, it will change you. It will change you. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. Salvation starts today. It starts today. So it's time to give up and to get into this relationship that Jesus is offering you, this different kind of life. And so I just want to invite everybody in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And if this is you, if you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus, I just want you to repeat these words after me. And it's just a private prayer between you and God. You don't need to say this out loud. To say today, God, I am surrendering my life to Jesus. I am giving my life to him. I am making Jesus my Lord and my Savior. God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins and my mistakes and my regrets and you would give me this brand new life in Jesus. If you prayed that for the first time, we want to help you take your next step. There's a card in front of you that says, I have decided. That just means I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to give my life to Jesus. And we want to help you. You can take that card and just take it over to the commons, this room right here to the right. We have people who would like to talk to you about your next step. And let me tell you what your next step is if you're a follower of Jesus. It's to be baptized. It's to identify with Christ publicly. It's to be baptized. And we want to help you take your next step. God, we thank you for this upside-down kingdom that offers us a chance to be a part of it. That Jesus has come to bring the kingdom to us, to make it available to us. And so, God, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done in our life and in our situation. God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus, the name above every name, that every tongue confess, that every knee will bow. So God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.